0: I believe that we have on our hands the official new era of Disney princesses. If you've seen my moral of the story theories, I've said that Disney princesses have been in three different stages. The first was where the young royals needed someone to save them from their situation. The second was a group of young women who had their own dreams, goals, and interests, but who quickly abandoned all that when a boy came along. The third stage has included much more independent women with a very set dream or goal that they want to accomplish, but there's still the not-so-subtle fact that they need a man to solve their issues, to function, or in the case of Elsa, to give them severe mental abuse, which is probably the real and psychological reason why Elsa has no interest in men. But you can go to my marshmallow gender theory for more on that topic. I've said that the most recent princesses are certainly an improvement from the mentality that Snow White or Cinderella had, but that Disney still had a long way to go to present little girls with real, independent women. At least in princess format. Mulan doesn't count because no matter what Disney tries to say, she is not nor has she ever been a princess or any type of royalty. With the release of Disney's Moana, I am very happy and hopeful to report that I believe we have a fourth stage of princess. The princess who is fully independent. The princess who is not boy crazy or otherwise in need of a romantic interest to complete her life. The princess who hates to be called a princess, even though, to be fair, if we're going to count Pocahontas as a princess, Moana is one too. They're both the daughters of a chief. And in Moana, the male lead does not show up to make the female lead's plot kick into high gear. Maui's actually an anti-hero for much of the film, and he's the cause of all of Moana's problems. In fact, when Moana is left alone, she doesn't shrivel up and cower or wait to be rescued, as too many other female characters in Disney have done. She calls out that she is Moana, she is powerful enough by herself, and she goes on alone to fight a monster that could kill her in an instant. Even the little moments in this movie say that Moana is not going to be limited to gender stereotypes like strength. When the Kakamora have the canoe and Maui sees that one harpoon is still on the boat, he goes in to help, but no, Moana dislodges it herself before Maui can touch it. Thank you to the writers and directors who let Moana save herself. This is what I've been begging for out of Disney princesses forever. So not only is Disney finally portraying women living up to their full potential, but they have also portrayed chickens in the most accurate way I've ever seen. You would think a chicken would be smarter than to eat a rock or perpetually try to kill itself through stupidity, but you, my friend, would be someone who's never owned a chicken to know how wrong you are. I have 12 and I can't even tell you how real Heihei is. And while I really want to come back in a later video and gush more about all the ways that Moana is a fantastic role model for little girls, right now I really want to dig in and talk about Maui. Because being a non-romantic male lead in a female titled Disney film is also a big deal. And a wonderful example of how male characters can be both useful and platonic. Maui also has the distinction of being part sidekick, part villain, and part anti-hero, as well as part actual hero, and I truly appreciate the complexity that he's given as well. For some reason, the movie just glosses over Maui's backstory. Get it? (laughs) Backstory. Oh my glob, Disney's putting in dad puns and I'm eating them up with a spoon. But we get told that Maui was thrown away into the ocean as a baby, and he doesn't understand why. It seems like Disney has taken the Maui legend from multiple cultures and made an amalgamation that takes a little piece from everyone. But the Maori version of Maui is where Disney's Maui gets his backstory of being thrown away. Apparently this was done because Maui was born prematurely, not really clear on all the details or cultural relevance there. There's a lot of different legends out there. Sometimes the mother's name, Taronga, gets switched with being the father, so getting one coherent Maui story is pretty difficult. But the Maori legend states that Maui was cared for by sea creatures until the gods found him one day. The stuff about the fish hook, raising up the sky, and bringing up the islands mostly comes from the Hawaiian folklore, the more you know. So Moana's version of Maui is repeatedly referred to as a demigod. If you are as Disney savvy as I am, then you already know that that term is also used to refer to Hercules up until the last few minutes of the film. Having just looked it up, there are actually two main classifications for demigods. There are those who have one human parent and one godparent, and there are people who achieve divine status after they die, or sometimes through the circumstances of their death. Hercules is actually tricky here, because the Disney version shows his parents as Zeus and Hera, both a god and a goddess, and Hercules does die-ish in the film. Oh well, he's another theory for another day. Maui, though, could go either way, too, because we know so little about his past. Now, could a baby floating in his mother's hair have died in the ocean before the gods found him and they just revived him? Absolutely. But the Maori stories often say that Maketutara was Maui's father. Maketutara is the guardian of the underworld and is listed as a god on mythological pages. Even though either version of demigod is equally plausible with the amount of information that we're given, the fact that Disney bothered with the backstory of being thrown away as a baby means that Disney wanted to use that Maori influence in some stronger way, I assume. True, in the movie Maui says that his parents, plural, were humans, but maybe he just doesn't know the full story. So I'm just gonna call it that Maui is a demigod in terms of being half god and half human water baby. Plus, you know, even though the hook lets Maui shapeshift into animals, he also has his own powers of super strength and creating illusions without the hook. So Maui at least has some basic powers independently of a magical item. But the real nagging question of Moana is one line Maui sings in his utterly awesome You're Welcome song. I mean, oh my gosh, if you haven't heard it yet, go look it up. You can tell Dwayne Johnson was having so much fun. And it's the first time that I've liked a sidekick slash villain song more than the heroines. But in a song listing an endless amount of impossible deeds, the line Maui can do everything but float has bothered me, especially since Maui is shown singing underwater as part of his montage illusion. I mean, it would be fair to say that Maui was afraid of water since he was left to die in it as a newborn, if not for the fact that the movie tells us just the opposite. That Maui is quite comfortable in water and even has a fish form when his hook is present. Well, without being a goddess myself, I can only speculate, but I would imagine that the gods in general did not take kindly to Maui stealing the heart of Te Fiti. In the film, Maui questions why the ocean didn't return his hook or take the heart back itself, since it's so wise and powerful. In fact, Maui openly mocks the ocean quite a few times. And before that, we see Maui try to swim away, and the ocean nabbed him and spit him back out on Moana's canoe. It seems to me that Tangaroa, the god of the oceans and seas, was really angry with Maui in solidarity with Te defilement. In fact, certain folklore also states that Maui is actually the brother of Tangaroa. And a sibling rivalry could also explain Maui's issues with swimming in general and why Maui invented sailing ships. Hence why he knows them so well in Moana. So somehow I can imagine Maui spending a good year or 10 trying to escape from that island only to either sink like a rock or be thrown back on shore by the ocean. I mean, Maui isn't even taken aback that the ocean is being a sentient being in this movie. So it seems like there's more there than we know. Also, I'd like to touch on the idea that Maui was not stranded for a thousand years. The tally marks on the rocks don't suggest anywhere near that amount of time. Maui's been stranded for quite a few years, certainly, but notice how he doesn't think anything odd about Moana showing up. It's just not the mentality of someone who's been alone sans his magical tattoo buddy for that length of time. It also seems like Maui is aging. He's got some crow's feet around his eyes, and if the gods found him as a baby, that means he's continued to grow up over the years. So something is not quite right here. It also really doesn't add up that it would take a thousand years for the decay to reach Montanui. And Maui even tells Moana that he pulled up the sky when she was waddling yehi, high, which suggests that it's something that happened in her lifetime that was fairly recent. I don't have enough to fully theorize on right now, but I get the impression that Grandma Tale from Montanui is the mother or sister of Maui somehow. Despite talking about Maui like a villain, Grandma has a tapestry with Maui on it right above her deathbed, along with her spirit animal, the manta ray. It seems really off to me that you would deem someone a menace with your words, yet let his likeness hang up in your room. Wouldn't that be the equivalent of a devout Christian hanging up pictures of Satan or demons in their home? I mean, it's kind of weird. But that just makes it seem even more like Maui is a fallen hero, one who the people used to make tapestries of, but then demonized after he robbed Te But there's no way that tapestry is a thousand years old. So again, something just isn't adding up with all of this information. So what do you think, my lovely fanboys and fangirls? Is there a secondary story hidden deep within Moana? Or did Disney just drop the ball and not explain things or tie up their loose ends? (laughs) Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoyed enough to like, subscribe, and share this video. I've also got a lot of other videos on my channel that you are fully encouraged to go check out. Plus, you can find me on Facebook at Say Halo Goodbye, which is my gamer tag or Twitter at the underscore family.